Come on, church, let's lift up our praise to him. What a powerful name the name of Jesus is. And we give honor and glory to that name today. And Father, it is in that name, in the name of your son, Jesus, that I ask you to come and move in power through the preaching of your word. Continue to use these young people, uh, God, to um, bring revelation to our hearts, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that children are a blessing and a gift from God. We thank you, God, for their ministry today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank our team this morning for leading us into God's presence. What a great job. I mean, if you look up here, we have like 90% of people under 18 leading us in worship. How many of you know that bodes well for the future of the church? Amen. God is so good. I love, I, I really, it means a lot to me when I read that scripture that Jesus said, where he said, let the children come unto me. I, I might mention this every Family Fifth Sunday, so I hope it doesn't get old, but it's just so powerful because he reminds us that if we're actually going to successfully enter into the kingdom of heaven, it's going to be because we approached him like a child. Okay, so spoiler alert. Today, I'm going to talk to you about sharing the gospel. And one of the things I love is that a child is not jaded from life's experiences. A child, um, when they're young enough, um, they, they don't make as many excuses. And um, they, they take their parents at their word, right? They, they take people that they trust at their word. And so they take God at their word and... I just remember uh, being in kindergarten, and um, I had a best friend, and his name was Adam, and we were so close. We were just like attached to the hip all through kindergarten, and it was the last day of kindergarten, and we were on the bus together about to head home, and he told me that he was moving, and I was crushed in that moment. I was so sad that my best friend was moving away and that I would never see him again, and I never did. But you know what the first thought was that popped into my head? Without being uh, through any sort of evangelism training class, or uh, you know, even understanding the Romans road, or any of that stuff, my first concern was, does my friend have a relationship with Jesus? And so on that school bus, I remember asking him, do you know Jesus? And, he began to explain to me that he had a, a Mormon background, and I had no idea what that was at the time. And so I just started asking him questions. Well, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died on a cross for your sins? And unknowingly, I am walking this kindergartner through uh, salvation. And uh, the bus driver overheard our conversation. And when we got to my stop, I got off the bus. The bus driver wanted to talk to my mom. Uh, not because I was in trouble, but because she wanted to share with my mom just how inspired she was to listen to the boldness of a kindergartner sharing his faith with a friend. And that's what I love about kids, because kids can remind us of things that, and we can receive them from kids because of the place of innocence that they come from. And because let's be honest, we expect less from kids. 
You know, I think sometimes God uses young people because we don't expect a lot from them and they really get our attention. And so to every young person in this room, I want to let you know that you are a powerful young woman and young man of God. And he wants to use you in a mighty and powerful way. And that destiny that is on your life does not start tomorrow, but it starts today. And for you older folks in the room, be inspired and remove all the excuses. Uh, Ask God to take away all the life experiences that you've allowed to hold you back and cause you to go back into a shell. And may you come out again as, as a child that fully trusts in his or her heavenly father. Amen. And so we are here today on Family Fifth Sunday. The kids are back with us again, but the adults are now joining in for the first time on another week of, let me see if the kids will know what to say here. Say it with me. That's bonkers. Okay, we got to say it one more time. One, two, three. That's bonkers. Okay, bonkers. Okay, so when you hear the word bonkers... I want to get some answers from some of you, young and old. What do you think of? What do you picture in your mind? What's something that's bonkers? Who wants to tell me? All right, let's go over here to JJ. What's bonkers? Um, screaming. Screaming is bonkers. Yes, absolutely. We have some bonkers kids and fountain kids, don't we, Ashley? All right. Max, how about you? Jumping off a wall. Jumping off a wall. That is pretty bonkers, isn't it? All right, let's, oh, let's hear from uh, another young one. <laughs> wild and crazy. Wild and crazy. Getting wild and crazy, okay? What are some bonkers things? What are some other bonkers things, some wild and crazy things? Anybody over here? Cassie, tell me something bonkers. You're on the spot. Um, sometimes my children. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. How many bonkers children do we have in the room? Right there. Excellent. Yeah, and I saw some adults raise their hands too. And so um, God bless you for your honesty. It is through confession that we are healed. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to set this down here for now. So those are really, really great answers. But you know what is one thing that probably we never would have thought of when we hear the word bonkers? How about the love of Jesus? right? Here's what I mean by that. Not that God is crazy or wild or bonkers, but his love for you is so overwhelmingly powerful and amazing that it can seem bonkers to us, right? It's hard for us to make sense of it. You know, I think David felt the same way that God's love was bonkers when he wrote, what is man that you are mindful of him? Because to us, that's just crazy. I mean, we are these flawed creatures that make so many mistakes that hurt God's heart in in such deep ways. And yet he's mindful of us and he loves us and wants a relationship with us. And so Jesus is so 100% over the top, bonkers in love with everyone in the world. But here's the problem. Did you know that not everybody knows that? And so that's why Jesus wants us to share the good news with the entire world. If this is true, and the creator of the universe is bonkers in love with you, then how many of you think it's important that we tell people about it? Amen? So if God has uh, changed your life and his love has changed your life, why wouldn't you want it to be shared with the world? And so speaking of sharing good news, I have a question for you that you're going to discuss at your tables. 
Has anyone here ever received news that was so good and you were so excited about it that you just had to share it with everyone? So here's a couple examples. Maybe you found out that your family was taking a vacation to Disney World. Or you found out that you were getting a brand new puppy, okay? Or maybe for some of the adults in the room, you found out you were getting that job promotion that you were hoping for, right, Jonathan? Right? And, and you wanted to share that news with everybody, didn't you? It was such an answer to prayer. Or maybe you're a, a young couple in here and you just got engaged. Oh, how many of you know news travels fast when somebody's gotten engaged, right? Because when we have good news, we just have to share it. So let's take some time at our tables to talk about something amazing that happened to us that we just had to share with someone else, okay? Ready, go. Right. Well, that was a really fun conversation. You guys enjoying yourself? Some of you got some young ones at your table, and I know it means a lot to them to have so many adults paying attention to them. And um, I think that they're going to remember these times. Have you, have you stopped to think about that? Like what we're doing here is, is unique. We're not the only church that does this, but it's pretty unique. And I think it's something that's going to be a fond memory with our children. And uh, what a blessing to be here with them today. Um, you know, I, the thing I thought of um, first when I talked about news that was so good to share was the news that I was going to become a father. And it, it was kind of came in two stages because first I became a foster parent and then I became an adoptive parent. And when we were able to finally adopt our kids, it was actually probably a little anticlimactic, honestly, because... We were waiting for it so long, and there was so much stress around the whole foster care process that it was more of like a sigh of relief than it was, yay! It was just like, okay, finally, we made it. But what we did was on adoption day, we, it was so significant to us that we wanted to share it with the people we loved and cared about. And so we hired a photographer. If you need a great photographer, Delmara Kristen is amazing. And she did all of our adoption photos. And we sent out postcards to all of our family and friends because we wanted to celebrate the family that God had blessed us with. Because that's just what you do with good news, right? And so I'm so happy that I get to be a parent to Andrew and Aubrey and Emily and Levi and their blessings from God. And so I wanted to share that news with everyone that I could. And that reminds me a little bit of the story that we're going to talk about today found in Acts chapter 9. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, Paul, who he was still called Saul at this time, learned about some really good news. In fact, it was the best news ever. It was the news of Jesus. And Saul encountered Jesus in a very supernatural way, like a powerful way. He was knocked over on the ground by the power of God's presence. Can you imagine meeting Jesus that way? And it changed his life so much that when uh, he received healing for his sight because the light was bright and it blinded him, that three days later, God sent a man to pray for Paul. And when he received his sight, something incredible began to happen. But it was the news of Jesus that changed his life. And so he wanted to tell it to absolutely everyone. 
If you're ready to hear the story, then I want you to show me your best bonkers face, guys. Show me, show me your bonkers face, like if something's bonkers. Let me see. Okay, I see a few. That Miss Faith has a good one. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Look at Autumn right there. That's a good bonkers face. That is not nice, Jonathan. That is not how she looks all the time. Don't even, I can't believe you said that. My goodness. All right, so I need, I'm kidding. He would never say that. All right, so I would, I need a volunteer that wants to be Saul slash Paul, okay? Hmm. Oh, man, this is hard. Such eager children. All right, let me get JJ up here. JJ, come on. Let's give it up for JJ. So I think it'll be easier if you stay on the floor, okay, because you're going to be moving around, all right? So go ahead and face the audience, and JJ, you got to listen closely because you're going to act out everything that I say, okay? All right, so now that Paul knew who Jesus was, he couldn't keep it to himself. He had to tell everyone in Damascus who would listen, and so he would run to one place, and he would say, Jesus is the Son of God. What? There we go. And then he would run all the way to another area and he would say, that's right. And then just to make sure everybody, even the Gentiles could hear, he went way over to that area and he said, awesome. And so, yes, isn't he such a good evangelist? And everyone who heard Paul was amazed. Now, audience, show me your totally amazed bonkers faces. Oh, that is beautiful. That's wonderful. Do you see how amazed they are at your preaching, Saul, Paul? Awesome. Nice job. And so they couldn't believe that Paul was the same guy because this was the guy as Saul who had once arrested and killed people for following Jesus. And that same man is proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. Let's give it up for JJ. You can go have a seat, my friend. Thank you so much. Here's the bad news, though. Not everyone was so amazed with Paul's testimony. In fact, the Jewish leaders were so angry because they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and they did not like what Paul was saying, guys. And so they came up with a very evil plan. The town of Damascus, where Paul was preaching, was surrounded by a tall wall, and the only way out was through the gate. And so the Jewish leaders snuck along the wall and they hid near the city gates and they watched the gates day and night waiting for Paul to walk through so that they could jump on him and grab him and kill him. Their evil plan was to have Paul killed for telling people about Jesus. It was a very, very evil plan. I think they concocted this in a secret meeting around very evil, maniacal laughter like this. All right, so let me hear your best maniacal laughter, guys. Ready? One, two, three. One more time, one more time. All right. Very good, very good. Nice and evil and maniacal. I love it. But fortunately, Paul found out about this plan ahead of time. And so he knew he had to get out of Damascus before he got caught. But how? So here's what happened. In the dark of the night, Paul's friends took him to the top of the wall and they placed him in a basket 
That must have been a big basket, right? And then they tied ropes to it and they lowered it down the side of the wall all the way to the ground and Paul was able to escape. And you might think that once he escaped being killed, that it would discourage him from telling more people about Jesus, right? Nope. Here's what's amazing. Paul, as soon as he escaped Damascus, he headed straight for Jerusalem. And when he got there, what do you think he did? He preached the gospel. He shared what happened to him. And you know what, though? The believers in Jerusalem were freaked out. Let me see your freaked out face. Okay, yeah, they freaked out. Why? Because they remembered who this guy was and what he did. And that's probably exactly what the believers looked like with that face that you guys made. They thought Paul was actually there to arrest them. And so they didn't trust him at first. They hadn't heard yet about how his life had been changed. You know, there's people in your life that haven't heard yet how Jesus has changed your life. And if they were to hear your story, it might change everything for them. And so thankfully, Paul had a friend with him uh, by the name of Barnabas who told them how Paul had met Jesus and Jesus had completely changed his life. And you know what happened? When they heard Paul's story, they accepted him into their family and he began to minister along with them side by side. How amazing is that? That's the power of Jesus to transform a life and that's the power of your story. That's the power of your testimony. And when you share it with others, it can bring mighty change into other people's lives, right? Okay, so one more time, we're gonna take some time at our tables to discuss a couple of quick questions. First of all, what was your favorite part of the story? And secondly, why do you think Paul was willing to risk his life over and over again to tell others about Jesus? Okay, let's discuss and then we'll be right back. seconds left on the clock, but I don't know about you, but my table got finished really quickly. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead uh, and move on. And so this morning, I want to challenge all of you, young and old, with something very basic, but so important. Share the good news. And if you're a student in here today, um, you should have some fill-in-the-blank notes with you. And the first one is share the good news. And so that blank that you're missing is the word news. Share the good news. It really is that simple. How many of you know that sometimes we make things harder by complicating them, right? It's like, um, you know, I don't know how I'm going to sound or I don't know how to start or whatever. But when you break it down to something so simple as just, I've got good news and I want to tell somebody about it, suddenly it becomes so much easier because God has given us this good news and he wants us to share it quickly, boldly, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you will follow along with me, we're going to take a quick look at Acts chapter 9, verse 20. And there's a blank in this passage as well. It says, and immediately he, who do you think he is in this verse? Anybody know? 
Yep, Saul slash Paul, right? His name hasn't been changed yet, but we know him as Paul. So we'll just say Paul. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately. That's your blank right there. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the son of God. The first point I want to make to you is that God wants you to share the gospel quickly. Somebody say quickly. Share it quickly. That's number one. And that is your first blank. Quickly. Share it quickly. What I love about this is it says, and immediately Paul began preaching about Jesus. And so he did not hesitate. You know, sometimes I think as kids, we can think that we have to wait until we're grown-ups to be used by God in a mighty and powerful way. How many kids will be very honest with Pastor Joe today and say, I've never really thought too much about being used by God right now as a kid, but maybe one day when I'm older. Anybody thinking like that? Well, praise God, barely anybody is thinking like that. That would be really awesome. And so sometimes we think we have to grow up. I tell you what, I think it gets um, more like that the older you are as a kid. I think that when I was in kindergarten, I was still very young and I was more apt to just simplify it. And yeah, yeah, I I, I care about this person. I want them to know Jesus, so so I'm going to share it. But as I got older and I turned 9, 10, and 11, I started to care a lot more about what people thought about me. Suddenly, sharing the gospel became a little bit more complicated to me. And so it served as a hindrance. Now, as adults, grown-ups in the room, sometimes we can get caught up in the trap of waiting for the right time or the right way to share Jesus with someone. And what happens is we find ourselves actually in a never-ending circle where that right time never seems to come and that right way to bring it up just never seems to happen. But the best time to share good news is when? immediately. The best time to share good news is right now, as soon as you have it. And what I love is that Paul, guess what? Paul didn't go to Bible college first and get his credentials through the assemblies of God, right? He didn't go to the disciples first even and say, would you train me first and how to share the gospel? What he did is he took his experience that he had with God and he simply told people about it and he didn't hesitate. He simply took what he had experienced personally and shared it with everyone that he could. There's no reason to wait to share the good news. Amen. Kids, adults alike, you don't have to be a pro. You just have to be willing to share. Now let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 28. Acts chapter 2, verse 28. It says, so Saul, who is also known as Paul, stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And so in your notes, that word is boldly. In the name of the Lord, which is also, what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. That is Acts 9.28. I don't know where 2 came from. Sorry about that. Thank you for correcting me, though, because I wouldn't want anybody to be confused. So Acts chapter 9, verse 28. And point number two is this. Share it boldly. Same word there for that blank. Share it boldly. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, share it boldly. 
boldly. See, Paul preached the gospel with boldness. Who knows what boldness means? Boldness means courage or confidence, okay? It meant he was sure of what he was sharing and he was not afraid, even though he knew that he could be arrested and killed for it. That was one of the questions we asked at our table, right? Why do you think Paul continued to share the gospel even though he knew he could be killed for it? Well, some people said, well, because he knew he would have a reward in heaven. Who would agree with that, right? He knew how it's all going to end. He knew that God was going to take care of him. But we also talked about at our table that he also knew what would happen to the world if they didn't receive this message. And he cared where they spent all of eternity. And so he would have been moved by compassion as well. But he spoke boldly. In other words, he didn't let fear keep him from sharing the gospel. Now, I got to get some more answers from adults and kids this morning, okay? What are some reasons that you or someone you know has been afraid to share their faith? Who's got an answer for me? What are some reasons that people are afraid? Miss Liz? Afraid of what other people think. Afraid of what other people think. It doesn't feel good if somebody thinks you're a weirdo, does it? It kind of makes you feel a little bit embarrassed and small, right? Okay, what else? All right, JJ. Oh, I'll come back to you, Giancarlo. Um, other people making fun of you? Oh, such a good answer. Other people making fun of us. Giancarlo, what are some things we're afraid of? One of the reasons is uh, you don't know what to say or you mm-hmm. didn't study enough and you're not yes. prepared, so you're going to be embarrassed if you don't say nothing. Right, right. Sometimes it just feels like the words won't come. You don't know how to start. You don't know enough. Absolutely. Anybody else? What are we afraid of? All right. Let's go to Miss Faith over here. In the current atmosphere, there's a big fear of coming across as judgmental. Oh, absolutely. Right. And we don't want to get like a label slapped on us. Like you're one of those judgmental Christians, right? And you're just here to condemn people. Reese, what do you think? What are we afraid of? Uh, because we as Christians are put in the box of religion, we mm-hmm. often get judged and get put in a sensitive topic instead of it just being the truth. Yeah, very good, very good, yeah. Isn't that ironic? We get accused of being judgmental and so we get judged, <laughs> right? And that makes it difficult to share the gospel. And I don't want to minimize those fears because those fears are legitimate, but yet we have to be honest when we compare what Paul faced with what you and I face in the United States of America when it comes to persecution, the two just don't even uh, match up at all, do they? I mean, we're talking about life and death versus maybe somebody making fun of us or somebody disrespecting us, or maybe even it goes a little bit further. Maybe you're afraid you'll lose your job and your source of income. Maybe people in power above you are trying to leverage their influence to silence you. There's certainly persecution that is real, but we must remember to be bold in the midst of that. And that's probably the worst that can happen to us for the most part in the United States of America. And we say to ourselves, well, what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't receive it? What if I don't know what to say? But can I just ask you to change your thinking this morning, kids and adults, instead of asking the question, what if they don't listen to me? Can we start asking ourselves the question, what if they do? 
Think about it. We thought about what's the worst that could happen. What if we started thinking about what's the best thing that could happen? Because if that person listens, listens to the hope that I have and the message of Jesus and salvation through him, then everything is going to be different for them for the rest of their life and all of eternity. You know, I remember a time when God was challenging me to do something very, very bold. And um, you guys have heard this story before, so I'll tell you the short version of it. But it was when we were in downtown Dallas, and we were sharing Jesus with, with people, um, both down dark alleys, on street corners, um, in the marketplace, with people that work at the different kiosks and things like that. And at the end of the night, we gathered together as a team, and we were just celebrating the amazing things that God had done through us. And I believe that the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart to begin to shout God's praises at the top of my lungs in the middle of downtown Dallas. Let me tell you, I hesitated. It was scary. The thought of it was very intimidating. But here's what happened. What happened is I got everybody in the group and I said, listen, I want you to do this with me. On the count of three, we're just going to begin to declare God's goodness at the top of our lungs. And so one, two, three, we just begin to shout and to sing and to thank him and to give him praise. And at the time, I did not know exactly why God wanted me to do it. But you know what happened? As we begin to lift up our voices to God, it began to draw attention to us. It began to draw a crowd. And there was one young man uh, in particular, he looked like he was about 15, 16 years old. He came over to us and he literally asked us, what do I need to do to get right with Jesus? Because I was walking by and I was already feeling like God has been drawing me. And then I hear this group of people singing his praises and I just feel like it happened for me so that I could come back to God. And right there on the street corner in the west end of Dallas, we were able to lead this young man back to Jesus. See, some of you have a hard time singing out loud in church. Can you imagine singing loudly on a busy street corner? But God moves when we act in boldness. Amen? And so I was concerned how people would react, but we decided to do it anyway. We decided not to worry about what would happen if no one listened, and instead we considered what might happen if someone did. But you might be saying to yourself, Pastor Joe, that's you. I see you on Sundays preaching boldly for Jesus every single week. How can someone like me do something so bold like that? Well, I've got an answer for you, and it's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And this is the correct scripture reference. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Some of you have this memorized. It says, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me tell you that the disciples were, were not someone that you would have considered as special necessarily or uniquely gifted. They, they came from average, normal walks of life. They were fishermen. The Bible even says that the Pharisees and the religious leaders, guys, they were really freaked out by the disciples. You know why? Because they said they were uneducated, but yet they spoke with authority and power. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. 
And because they were uneducated, it made their message go forth even more powerfully because it was not by their own strength or their own gifts, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, my final point for you guys this morning is this. Share it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Power is your blank there. Share it with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was commanding the disciples to do so much more than just be nice to people and invite them to church. Did you notice the the size of the mission he gave them? He didn't say, hey, tell your neighbor about Jesus. He said, you're going to be my witnesses wherever you go, whether it's in Jerusalem or Judea or to the ends of the earth, everywhere you go, you're going to be my witnesses. He commanded them to go throughout the world sharing the gospel. And to do this, they would need the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the power that is promised here comes from the same Greek word that we get the word dynamite. Somebody say dynamite. Dynamite. See, dynamite, you guys know what dynamite is, right? Little stick with a fuse on it, very powerful, very explosive. All it takes is a small spark to turn it into an explosion that can move mountains. All you have to do in that case is light the fuse. See, the Holy Spirit can take a small child or a grown-up and turn him or her into a powerful man or woman of God. Jesus wants to make you an explosive witness. Amen? So if you're a Christian, this same Holy Spirit lives in you, and there's two steps to engage this power. Number one... You ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And number two, you step out in obedience. What that means is that you don't hesitate. What that means is that you don't let fear hold you back. I told you to come up a little early. So if you want to just make yourself comfortable, there's like a game. And so that's going to be weird. Yeah, I just realized my notes are all scrambled. Um, So you can go back down if you want. (laughs) I'll call you up later. You guys just got to peek behind the curtain, right? Don't hesitate. Don't let fear hold you back. Some of us are waiting for boldness to come upon us um, as if it is just this superpower that comes out of nowhere. But you know, sometimes boldness is acting in spite of fear. Boldness doesn't mean that you'll never be nervous because a lot of times we remain paralyzed and we continue to not share our faith because we're like, well, I'm still afraid. And if you're waiting to no longer be afraid, you're never going to share your faith. And so God says he'll give you boldness, but in that we have to take a step of faith that even in our fear, we will obey and be obedient to his word. And so I wanna give you uh, an analogy here. See, the Holy Spirit gave Paul the power to tell others about Jesus, and the number of believers, it says, grew more and more. And so the church just exploded, right? It just became huge. Can you imagine what it might look like if all of us shared the good news of Jesus like Paul did? So I want to do something that's going to help us imagine that, okay? So for this one, I need tons of volunteers, like 20 people. So if you want to help, just go ahead and come up here. I won't even call you up. 
If we pass 20, we can still use you. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We still need more. We got two more coming in the back. That makes 11, 12. Can I get like eight more? Some adults too. I do need some adults. Faith, thank you. 13. Steve, we got 14, 15, 16, 17. Doris is coming up to be 18. Let's give all these people a hand. Let me get two more, two more. All right, JJ's coming, and we got David, perfect. All right, so what I need is I need somebody who wants to run a little bit. Okay, Capella. Capella, I want you to go stand by the cross. I knew you'd be willing to run. Okay, and I want everybody else to go stand all the way by that table on the side, okay? And here's what's gonna happen, Capella. It's very easy game. Okay, your job is to run over there and tag one person and have them come back to the cross with you. Make sense? Okay, but here's the challenge. We're gonna put a timer on the clock and you're only gonna have one minute to bring as many people over as possible. Are you up for the challenge? Okay, so let's get one minute up on the clock. And so remember, it's only one at a time. Oh, and so when she brings you over here, you just stay at the cross and then she comes to get someone else. And we see if we can get everyone over here. Make sense? Okay, on your mark, get set. Go Capella, go, go tag somebody. Come on, let's hear it. Church, let's make some noise for her. Let's go. All right, now come back, come back, come back, come back. Good job, good job. All right, all the way to the cross. All right, now go get the next person. Go, 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 go. Hurry, 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 hurry. 40 seconds left. Go, go, go. All right. Oh, she's being very selective in who she wants to bring to Jesus. <laughs> All right. Are you getting tired? Come on, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. All right. Look at that. She's getting winded. You have, you still have 25 seconds. You got to get as many people as possible. Hurry, hurry, hurry. All right, Alyssa, welcome to the cross. Okay, go, go. She's, she's starting to cheat. You see that, right? <laughs> All right, come on, Levi. Great job. 10 seconds. How many more people can you get? All right. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, time's up. Let's give it up for these guys. All right, now hold on. So Capella, Capella started bending the rules, but I love her heart, right? She wants to do whatever she can to get as many people to Jesus as possible. Okay, so here's what I want. I, I need a new runner. Who wants to be a runner this time? David, come over here. And can the rest of you go back over to that side? Okay, so now what we're gonna do is we're gonna change our perspective a little bit and we're gonna change the rules to this game very slightly. We're gonna put a minute up on the clock again, but this time David, after he tags someone, once they return, to the cross they can both go back and tag somebody right so then four people will come back and then when they come back they can tag four more people does it make sense so once you've been tagged and made it all the way to the cross you can also go back and tag somebody else and bring them back to the cross are we clear all right so let's get one minute on the clock david are you ready on you mark good set go preach all right, here we go, here we go. All right, he's got Amir. We got Amir and David. And now they're both going out to preach the gospel. And we got four people now. All the way, you have to go all the way back first. All the way back first. There you go. Now go tag somebody else. Oh, this is awesome. Look at the church of God is growing. 
All right, good job, good job. All right, let's go tag some more people. All right, look at what's happening, church. As everyone is engaged, everyone is reaching out and touching somebody, and now suddenly, hell is empty and heaven's gates are full. Let's give praise to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. All right. Let's give it up one more time for our volunteers as they go find their seats. So good. So good. Praise God. Oh, man. See, here's what I love about that game we just played, guys. You know, when you act like sharing the gospel is not your job, the Great Commission feels pretty impossible, doesn't it? It's like trying to one by one rescue someone within a one minute time period. We know that we might be able to save a few, but there's going to be so many left behind. But in round two, when we empowered every single person who had been touched to go and touch someone else, we see that that chain reaction, not only did we add to the kingdom of God by addition, but we added to the kingdom of God by multiplication. And how many of you know we serve a God of multiplication, right? And so multiplication only works when all of us do our part. And you got to understand that if you're a believer in the house today, if you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Now I'll have Rochelle come uh, this morning. Man, what a beautiful um, and fun illustration that is of what it really speaks to is an untapped potential church. Like what, what, what we have here in the United States of America and every church and every local body is a sleeping giant that if we would just wake up and if we would just step into our destiny, we would transform this nation without ever visiting the polls, without, uh, without ever convincing anyone to vote Republican instead of Democrat, right? Without, without, without having to depend on welfare to take care of the poor, right? But instead the church is, is rising up and taking care of their own and, and reaching out and doing acts of service to show the love of Jesus Christ throughout our neighborhood. We can turn this world upside down just like the early church did, just like the apostles did. They didn't turn the world upside down simply because they were going one by one and God was using them to perform miracles and preach the gospel, but they turned the world upside down because they were creating disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And because of that, the church of God exploded in growth. And so here's what I want to do as Rochelle begins to play. I'd like to invite every single one of us to stand up right now at our tables. And we're just going to have a moment to do two things. We're going to ask to be baptized with his Holy Spirit so that we can receive boldness to share the gospel. And the second part of that is we're gonna make a commitment to do that. Regardless of what you feel like you experienced in this prayer time or not, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit by faith and then you're gonna step out and begin to share your story and to share the good news of Jesus with others. And when you do that, 
something incredible is going to take place. God is going to unlock something within you. You're going to experience life flowing out of you in a new and fresh way because you finally uh, engaged in obedience and you unlocked the potential of God's word to transform your life. And so we're going to take some time praying for the power of the Holy Spirit through his baptism and we're going to say yes to Jesus. So if you're in the room today and you just want to say yes to Jesus and you want the power to be able to walk it out, would you just lift up your hand right now, wherever you are? Amen. Look at all these hands. All of our young people are raising their hands. And so very simple. Can we just turn in towards one another? Can we gather around those who have their hand raised? And as Rochelle leads us, let's just take some time to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon us of all ages to give us the power to be his witnesses and that we would give him our yes and be obedient. Amen? So let's just take a few moments right now. Gather around those people with their hands raised right now. And let's just start to pray right now.
I just want to pray over every single one in this room today, God, that we would rise up and awaken to the great commission that you have given your church. God, that you would just uh, empower and engage us um, in this war for souls. God, that we would not, not, no longer stand by idle, watching as the world deteriorates around us but we would stand up and do what you've called us to do. That we would begin to intercede and pray for our church and pray for the lost and pray for this country, pray for our government and our leaders, Lord. That we would get up out of our seats and we would do the work that makes changes, that we would share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would meet the needs of the needy and the hurting, Father God that we would preach the gospel in both word and deed, Lord. God, I believe that you are preparing this church for a wonderful harvest, but we must come under uh, submission of your authority and we must rise up in obedience to you if we're to see that happen. And so, Father, you're commissioning us today and I pray today that we would go in the power of your Holy Spirit and quickly and boldly Share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you will make us fruitful. You will make us effective in that. We thank you, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God glory and praise with that maybe a hand clap, shout this morning? Praise God. 
what, what a fun Sunday, amen. I just love being with you kids. I look forward to Family Fifth Sunday. I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, we do have desserts that we're going to be distributing today for everyone who wants one. And so you can go ahead and just line up back there on your way out. Make sure you get a dessert before you leave. Also, um, just for those of you that are signed up for the partnership lunch today, don't forget about that. That's taking place next door. I think it officially starts at 1215 um, if you signed up for that. And we look forward to seeing you over there. God bless you guys.